you remember a few years ago you were taking almost this exact same trip, but Max was driving? I do. Where was he taking you? I was going to dance class. Is this the actual route that you probably would have taken? <laughs> yeah, this is the actual route. So where are think, we right now? Uh, near Farmer's Insurance or by the Pigeon Overpass. It's this place we used to ride our bikes and there's all these like, oh, Dead Pigeon Alley is what we called it, I think. And there's always like, there's so many pigeons and there's just like dead ones and like a bunch of pigeon poop and it's kind of gross. Katie and her dad are driving to the mall. They're on a mission. Instead of using Google Maps, Katie is following the route her brother Max always used to drive her to her after-school activities. On every trip, they'd pass the Valley Fair Mall. No big deal. But there was one ride that really stuck in her craw. Those are her dad's words. She tells him the story. Um, my brother had just gotten his license and he was driving me to dance class one day. And to get to dance class, we have to pass a mall. And in the parking lot of the mall was this really big white bus, like the type that you would, like like bigger than a normal bus, like one of those like tour bus type things. And so I asked him, I said, why is there a bus at the mall? And he was, he acted like I was dumb. He was like, it's to pick up all the people from the mall jail. And I was like, mall jail? He's like, yeah, every day there's like 30 or 40 people who get caught shoplifting. And there's so many people, they have to put them in a bus and they take them down to the station and they arrest them and do what they have to do. And yeah, he was 16 and I must have been 14, which is way too old to be like believing this. But I didn't, I didn't question it. What kind of cops would they have at the mall? Mall cops, like... There's a whole movie about mall cops, Paul Blart mall cop, and he goes around on a Segway. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a mall cop, but I assumed they exist because of the movie. Do you think you're especially gullible? No, I'm... Yeah, no, I am. This is the Bieber family. Um, my name is Katie Bieber. I'm 18 years old and a senior in high school. I have an older brother. I'm Max. I just finished up my third year at Sonoma State University. Uh, my mom, her name's Sydney. She's a web designer. My name is Sydney Bieber, and uh, oh boy, I don't know what to say about myself. And my dad is named Paul, and he does like arson investigation type thing. I don't really know the formal job title because it's like a whole lot of things. I spent 15 years in the fire department, and most of us had nicknames, and a few people, their wives had nicknames. There are people that I worked with in the fire department that don't know my wife's name. They only know her by the nickname, The Lovely Bride. So The Lovely Bride and Katie and Max and I live in San Jose, California. For a long time, I assumed that the jail was a real thing and that people had to go on that white bus, and I would tell people about it. For some reason, I thought it was really interesting. Besides telling her friends at school, Katie kept the mall jail daydreams to herself. Every time she passed the mall or went inside, she wondered, where could it be? The funny thing about mall jail is I knew nothing about any of this. I think it was last year so it must have been like my junior year of high school I was at the mall with my mom and I was just thinking about it because I saw one of those like mall cop things and I was like I wonder how many people are in the mall jail 
and she looked at me kind of weird and I was like what and she's like at the mall jail and I was like yeah there's a there's a jail in the mall Max told me all about it like there's so many people because a ton of people shoplift and they have to bring them to normal jail they have a bus and she just laughed at me and that's kind of when I was like oh my god I this isn't real and I've been telling people about this. She has some wild ideas and comes up with some crazy crap so I I figured it was just part of that and then when she said that Max told her that there was such a thing as mall jail it was like no there isn't. By the time she told me it was just funny. Funny as hell. Beyond finding it funny Paul thought about the logistics. He broke down the prison system in Santa Clara County and debated the need for an official bus to pick up all of the shoplifters from the mall. Like every place in California, you know, it's a state built of prisons, jails, and other places to lock people up. There is some place where they do hold people. I don't think it's being gullible to believe that there is a mall jail. Max must have had the same mindset when he told Katie about it. I don't know if he even remembers this experience. I anticipate it was so insignificant to him. It's the story about me messing with my sister, right? Uh, me and my sister have always gotten along pretty well. Uh, our, like, main dynamic with each other is like messing around and we kind of just like to prank each other as much as we can. I think that she just like, she'll believe most things that are told to her. She trusts most people so she doesn't think that they'll like lie to her about if there's a mall jail or like if like one of our neighbors is a pirate or something crazy like that. We have a neighbor that only has one leg so it makes sense that when I was like younger that I would tell my sister that she was a pirate. The problem is if they're confident enough I'll believe them because I'll be like, wow, they they know what's going on because I just probably didn't know about this. Mall Jail and the Pirate Neighbor are just a small sampling of Max's inventions. I do know that at some point in their relationship, Max told Katie that you get pink eye when someone farts on your pillow. I feel like I usually just start with like, a small like, grain of something that's a reality and then try to make up something believable around it. Like I know that there are mall jails for when people are like caught stealing things, but I would just like add small details to it that would make it believable for my sister without like pushing the line on her gullibility. Is that a word? Gullibility? Did Max really just say there is an actual mall jail? Uh, I assume there are. Like where else would they like hold people until like if you're caught shoplifting, I assume they don't just let you go. You know, for, for, for Max to say there's a mall jail, but there is some sort of place where they hold people. So, I mean, it's not, it's, it's not entirely making something up if you don't distort, you know, the details. If there is some sort of place where they hold people, what does it look like? It would look like... You know how in movies, when they put people like in just like the normal like holding cells and everyone's put together in like the same cell and then there's like a police officer at the desk like taking a nap as they try and steal the keys from them? I would imagine it would be like in, uh, what is it, the Andy Griffith show? You know, Mayberry RFD, where they have their little police station and they have the little jail in the corner with the bars and a little bench. 
I assume it would just be like a blank white room with just like a couple chairs in it. And like Barney Fife would be interrogating you. They would just sit you down and try to freak you out. To just have like one big mall jail instead of like individual stores having their own jail. I feel like it's smarter and it, it saves space. Like a, like a real jail, the, the, the holding area, it, it's got a holding cell. It might have uh, hooks on the ground or on the chair where they can handcuff you to the facility. I don't think any of that is going down at the local mall. I actually don't know what happens. And now I'm a little embarrassed because what if there is a mall jail and, oh my God, and Max was making the whole thing up, but it's really real. And then Katie would come out of this story as the real hero, which she is. Back to Katie and Paul's mission. Yeah, go on. So right here by the Goodyear thing was where it was. Yes, in this parking lot. Yeah, but now that I think about it, they could have just been, like the bus could have just been getting its tires like reinflated or something. Because I know, I never thought of that. I was thinking about that right now. I'm like, what if they were just like, I don't know, getting an oil change? Like They weren't anywhere near where they should park for the mall. But then again, there's no parking spot that fits a bus. So, so, so oh the- my goodness, this entire time they were probably just getting something done with their car. Oh, I hate this. Katie didn't want her story to end with an oil change. So they went into the mall to investigate. like after so we walk, well, we found out where it was and we had to go to the third floor into this, like the elevator opens into this like hallway that's being redone. So I was a little scared that we were like trespassing and weren't supposed to be there. And then we turn the corner and there's this little office where this guy is sitting like a mall cop and there's all of these like computer monitors that have cameras and people are like talking to him through the like walkie talkie talking about that they need to call the police. And it was, oh, it was so exciting. Where did we just come from? The freaking mall jail. It was wild. So tell me about it. Katie and her dad entered the security office with their recorder ready, but turned off. Paul was so caught up thinking about California law, he forgot that we were making an audio story. He emailed me saying, there are several things I wish I had done differently in my life. Joining the Navy, six years of my life wasted, climbing a ladder without securing it, six surgeries in a year on crutches, Not having my recorder on when we talked with the mall cop, that was one of them. The only way I can describe him is, is like, exactly what you think a mall cop would be like. Like, he he seemed very serious, which was a little scary at first, but also, like, he, he just knew what he was doing. He was doing, like, 12 things at once, and just, he just knew what he was doing. He kept, like, um taking his walkie-talkie and, like, pulling it up a little bit and talking into it and putting it down like you see the police officers do in movies and stuff like that. Oh, and he had, a, and he had like, a key ring, like, the classic movie when there's, like, they have, like, the key ring and then the, the person who's in jail takes it off of the um, policeman and unlocks himself from jail. Like, I think that's the kind of hijinks that would happen in mall jail. And he was, like, on the phone, too, talking to people while he was also, like, talking to people on the walkie-talkie and writing stuff down and, like, typing on his computer and, like, trying to tell us that, like, we can't interview him today. (laughs) So it was a lot going on for him. Do you feel liberated? Yeah. Oh, it's like a – it was like an out-of-body experience almost. And I'm I'm changed. I I, got to interject in here. That that office was so classic. And the guy sitting behind the – 
table. And what was his name? Joe. What other name could he have possibly have been? There's no There's other There's none. Name. It had to be Joe. And you know, I've, I've worn uniforms for many, many years of my life. I've never looked as squared away as Joe does. I looked pretty good at Jamba Juice, so okay. you can say that about yourself, not me. Shall we leave it at that? Oh my gosh, I, it was wild. I, I'm, I'm almost speechless. I don't know what to say to you because I'm just so, I'm feeling so many emotions right now. Let's go fill up my tank. You just listened to Rashomon, a podcast where one family tells every side of the same story. I'm Hillary Ray, your host. In each episode, I'll introduce you to a new family and an event that they all experienced. Whether it's one they were all witness to or one that trickled through the family over time, everyone's perspective will be heard. Once you listen to all sides, you can create your own story. It's so easy to believe everything that you hear. I'm like Katie that when I hear of a place or a concept or person that fascinates me in some way, I become obsessed. Like a few years ago, my friend Richie told me about a club called the Pizza Wolves. And all I had to do to join was go to Lazaro's and eat a jumbo cheese pizza in 30 minutes or less, and the pizza place would slice me in as a pizza wolf. Now, for reference, this pizza is so big it doesn't fit through a standard doorway. I was super into competitive eating at the time, but it was more of a long-time listener, first-time caller situation. So I trained by eating a lot of pasta salad. I dreamed of a VIP section of the pizzeria with a red velvet rope and a sign saying for pizza wolves only. After getting sliced in, the owner would give me a t-shirt with an image of a wolf with sauce and cheese dripping from its fangs. This is what I wanted. But to muster the courage to go in and eat the pizza, I needed to do some research. Richie's story wasn't enough, so I googled pizza wolf. Nothing showed up. So I added more keywords to the Google search. Still nothing. There was no trace of this club on the internet. Next step, I called the pizza place. I asked them about the club, and they acted like they had no idea what I was talking about. So I went back to my friend Richie, and I asked him why the man at Lazaro's was angry when I asked him the question and eventually hung up on me. And he was like, of course he hung up on you. They don't know about the Pizza Wolves. It was a club that I made up with my friends. He probably thought it was a prank call. And here I was this whole time thinking that it was a sanctioned group. You can't trust every media outlet to tell you the truth, I guess, because everything's kind of their interpretation of it. Like, it's not like fake news. It's just kind of someone's idea that's wrong, if that makes sense. Like, if someone's viewing something in a different way, it could be perceived as fake news. I always tell myself this when, like, there's someone I don't like. There's always two sides of the story. So I know in my side, I'm viewed as, like, the good guy. And in her side, she's viewed as the good guy. And we both kind of view each other as villains. So it it's kind of like what who you're looking at and who's telling the story that gives you, like, the idea of what's right and what's wrong. I feel like just take as much information as you're able to get, then come to your own conclusion. Thank you so much to the Bieber family, Katie, Sydney, Max, and Paul. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Paul, thank you for recording everything on your end in San Jose. A huge thank you to the AIR Mentorship Program for connecting me with my mentor, Mitra Kaboli. And Mitra, thank you so much for your guidance on this episode and for helping me find my process. Music in this episode was courtesy of Eigenheimer and Emerald Park. And our theme song is by Ryan Cullinane. 
The amazing podcast artwork is by Tom Lesnar. Please check out the rest of his work at tomlesnar.com. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. There will be more episodes coming soon. Follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at RashomonPod. And check out our website, RashomonPodcast.com. Thanks for listening. 